Good morning. It's a good day, amen? It's good to be in God's house. What a great song. Good job, Trey. Thank you. Tell Candace, high fiber for me, will you? Take your Bibles out. Find the book of the Gospel of John, please. John chapter 6. If you'll take out your worship guide and follow along with us, if God says something, I always say I believe it's worth writing down, amen? If you notice, as you are pulling that out, this is part four, plus seven more, couldn't bring myself to write 11, so after I promised you a four-week series. I want to close out our series today with hopefully encouragement with a, a reset of vision, a reset of the culmination of everything we've learned about being his bride, the, the, the things we wish were different in the church, the things that are going awesome in the church and how we want it to be better. I, I pray that it all just comes together today. If you're here and it's your first time here, thank you. I hope you have been made to feel welcome. You belong here. And my name's Jeff. Pleased to meet you. If you did not feel welcome, let me know, because Rob wants to take you to dinner today. It's been an ongoing rule for over 19 years now. So far, no one's ticked us up on that. John chapter 6, before we dive in, let's read the verse, two verses we've used to launch every message in this series. And by the way, if you haven't heard everyone, it's okay, they all stand on their own, but I would ask, maybe go to wherever you get your podcasts and, and just download the series and, and start from one and work your way through four, plus seven. This is and has been just such a burden for me. And I, and I, that, that, I say that with a smile. I, I'm glad when God puts a burden on me because he doesn't do that just to weigh me down. He does it for a reason and for a purpose. And it's caused me to dive deeper. Hopefully this series has been helpful to you as you, you, you kind of just, just, again, refocus, set your spiritual compass I want living water to be, and you want living water to be, and God wants living water to be, a, 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 a place where we just come and know, learn more about Him, um, grow together, create lasting relationships, but essentially to go deeper with Him so that we can then leave this place and make a difference in our world, amen? Because here's, here's the reality, you, you can look around and, and see the incredible diversity that's in this building 
different cultures. I mean, uh, it, you can reach people I can't reach. I will reach people you can't reach. Uh, all for the glory of God. And, and, that, and, and the purpose of the church, as we learned, is to worship. To worship. And we're a worship-driven church. The mission of the church is to go and see people come to know Jesus. And for us who already know him, to grow closer to him. So when I read this passage in 1 Corinthians, I just echo Paul's words and the desires of his heart to present living water as a spotless bride as part of the big church. Paul said this, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. And then he says, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. Here's why. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. I promised, Paul said, the church, the local church at Corinth, local church in Kettering, I promised God that you would be a pure bride and be faithful to your husband Christ. Each one of these messages had a question that we wanted to answer. The question today that I think we need to answer as we go through our passage in John 6 is who is all in for the whole journey? Who is all in for the whole journey? Now, obviously, my goal would be that we would personalize that. Am I all in for the whole journey? You know, people would come to Jesus and leave Jesus um, at one place, we read where he said it, many of his disciples just left. And obviously I'm paraphrasing, but he looks at his, his closest followers and said, are you, are you going to go too? Because it was not uncommon for people to come and go and come and go and come and go. And if you've been in church more than two weeks, you know that people come and go and come and go and come and go. Amen? I mean, I, that's, 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 just, that's just our customer service mindset. And we've, we've brought that into the church, unfortunately. I mean, we're, 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 church is like a divine vending machine. We, we just keep pushing the button until we find something that we want that's better than, that fits our desire at the moment. You with me? And, and, and he said, are you leaving too? He said, where, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You got the truth. You are the truth. Where are we going to go? No, we're going to stay with you. So my question for me, for you, and that we're going to unpack today is who is all in for the whole journey? And obviously I'm specifically talking about the journey of walking with Jesus, but walking with Jesus with the church, amen, being united, not, not divided being like-minded, as it were, but, but not just living water, 
or not just the big church, but also living water, walking this journey with your church, with your local church that you've identified with. Because here's what I know. We need to be steadfast. We, 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 we need to be focused. Amen. We, we need to be aware. Basically, we need to wake up. And the reason we need each other and the reason your relationship with Jesus, although very personal, was not designed to be private, is because we are in a time of spiritual descent. Amen. We are in a time of political upheaval, yes? I'm, I'm generally way too transparent. I get sick of my stomach when I listen to politicians talk. And, I, and I, I, I never, I'll never tell you how to vote. I'll never speak of it from the pulpit in terms of what you need to do. You, 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 won't, you won't see pamphlets laid around sway you to do. I don't, that's, not, that's not who we are. What I try to do is treat, teach this book so that whatever you hear, you can align it with this book and then do whatever you need to do. We live in a time of social injustice. I can't stand it. The church needs to move. The church needs to act. The injustice, the human trafficking, the abuse in homes. And, 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 and if you're here today and you're at least my age, you... you we need to wake up and realize racism isn't dead, and we need to fight it. I'm going to say it again because we're going to get a bigger amen out of that. We have social injustice that we need to deal with. Racism's not dead, and we need to fight it. Amen. And we have an incredible case of commitment abandonment. <laughs> in our culture today, as well as in our churches. And in the midst of all the turmoil, we just sung a song about, and, and, and let, let, let me go on record saying, we're going to read this passage in John 6, where Jesus walked on the waves and on the water and I had not yet had a chance to speak to the worship team and to the leaders about what I was speaking on before this set was already in and loaded. God works that way. And I love it. I love it when the Spirit speaks, people listen, and everybody moves in the same direction. Amen. The Apostle John said some interesting words after Jesus had fed the multitude in John 6. Um, I'd ask you to look at verse 15. See, when the people were satisfied and they had been fed by the disciples, after Jesus gave thanks, he placed the, the elements, the, the, the fish, the bread, he, he, he placed that in the hands of the disciples, and as the disciples obeyed, stay, stay with me because this is important, as the disciples obeyed, 
that which Jesus gave them was multiplied. I mean, sure, they stole a little kid's lunch. Okay? We're going to turn our head on that part. You're like, hey, he didn't steal that. You don't know he didn't because he just speaks up and says, there's a lad here. There's a lad here and he's got a lunch sack. How did he know what was in that lunch sack? I've never met a young kid that's willing to give up his lunch. Take some persuading. No, it's amazing when you just put yourself in the Scripture and think about how God multiplied such a small thing and took their little and made it much. Amen? Hallelujah. And here's what Jesus knew. He knew that when they were satisfied, we see in the first part of verse 15, that the people were ready to force Him to be their king. The, the, the people were ready to force Him to be their king. I, I need to interject here that you don't force Jesus to do anything. I mean, that's... He, he, put yourself in this scripture... You just saw a miracle that was mind-blowing, that you could not explain. And you think after seeing that, that you're going to force Jesus to do something? Let's make this relevant today, isn't it? so funny how we can see God do something absolutely incredible and amazing and life-changing and miraculous and he will move in such a way that our lives are changed forever and then all of a sudden we kind of forget that and we just go to the next thing. They, they were going, they thought they were going to force Jesus to be their king the second part of that verse says, so Jesus slipped away into the hills by himself. This is where I want to pick it up this morning. Let's read the narrative starting at 16 and let's read through 21. If you need a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. If that's not the case, just Scoot over beside somebody with one, or you can always just read it off the screen. That's all right, too. Verse 16, let's go. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell, everybody say darkness. As darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back. Underline that in your Bible if you write in your Bible. Darkness fell Jesus hadn't come back. Darkness fell. Jesus hadn't come back. So they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. Verse 19, they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water, amen, toward the boat. They were terrified, but he, that's Jesus, called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here, exclamation point, verse 21, then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived 
at their destination. I want to look at a couple of elements of action in this passage, this short passage, 16 through 21. Notice that Jesus withdrew to the mountaintop to reflect and, and, and to pray. And the disciples set out on a small boat to go across to Capernaum, which, by the way, was their home base. That was, that was their home. I said that was their home. Keep log that away. And then a storm kicks up. A storm kicks up. They were not strangers to storms. The storm kicks up and Galilee turns into an angry sea. Then the disciples struggle to keep the boat upright. Amidst the turmoil, there's there's some fear involved. There's a little... a little uncertainty. It's not as stable as it was when they started. Are you with me still? Okay. And then they saw Jesus walking on the water, and when they were assured that it was him, now I don't know who else up to this point had walked on water, but when they figured out, oh, that's, that must be Jesus walking on the water. Who else is it going to be? Am I right? <laughs> You're like, you spend way too much time on that stuff. Uh, that, that, that's the, uh, it's, just, it's interesting to me. When they were assured it was him, they take him into the boat, and miraculously they arrive at their destination, and there's, there's, there's the synopsis of that little story. But now, let's, let's make this real today. I believe this passage is a prophetic unfolding, if you will, of the church. It's a message to you and I, his bride, as we await the return of Jesus. As we await the return of Jesus. It was no coincidence, obviously, because you can't have coincidence in Jesus in the same sentence, It was no coincidence that Jesus went into the mountain and the disciples went to the sea. Jesus went up, the disciples went down. I said, Jesus went up, the disciples went down. Their need was so great that in order to reach their destination, they they needed Jesus to intervene. Had he not have shown up, they would have drowned. And I'll quickly interject here that when our need is so great that we can no longer get along on our own, we'll call out to him. Yeah. We'll figure out real fast that I can't do this on my own. And if you're here today and, and that's your experience and you actually may even feel as if there is no hope, listen, as long as the tomb's still empty, there's hope. Jesus is alive today. Your hope has an incredible, unending, reckless love for you. I'm afraid like sometimes that the the church feels like we don't really need him very badly because, you know, we're doing pretty good, right? Job's going okay. Got a little money in the bank. You're making rent. 
you're eating. It's amazing how spiritual people will get when hard times come upon them. All of a sudden, Jesus has all the answers. Well, he had all the answers the whole time. We've got to get to an understanding. When I use the phrase the world, I just want you to understand that it's, I'm not using it as a derogatory term. I'm trying to use it just to differentiate between the church and those who need Jesus. When the world understands that they, as we had to come to an understanding, those of us that know Jesus, that we are sinners and we are hopeless without the living hope. And his name is Jesus. When we understand that, when the world understands that, there will be a great harvest. Amen. Amen. And we ain't going to shut up until it happens. Right. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying or bummed out for where we are. I'm, I'm thankful for the progress the church has made. But the longer I study the church and the longer I keep my ears open and my mouth closed, I realize we've got some problems. And that was the heart of this whole series. We can get lost in doing church instead of being the church. And you're like, man, I've heard that my whole life. Well, you just heard it again. And when we get it right, well, I'll stop talking about it. That fair? Because, we, listen, we, 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 we have a need that's greater than ourselves. And we can't meet that need, and the world can't meet the need. So after feeding 5,000 people, Jesus, that's just the men that were counted, by the way, after that incredible miracle, Jesus knew that the satisfied, no longer hungry crowd wanted to take him by force and make him into what they wanted him to be. But Jesus knew it wasn't time for a crown. Jesus knew there, it wasn't time for a crown because before there could be a crown, there's got to be a cross. So it is with us as believers. <laughs> yeah. You know, except for the folks that were really in tune with Jesus and even they missed it many times, Jesus never did what people expected him to do. That, that's why I, I love coming to church where the Spirit has the freedom to move and do what He came here to do, and we, 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 we expect the unexpected. We, that's why our agenda... Man, I relinquished any control I thought I had a long time ago. Because I'm not calling the shots. Leaders of this church aren't calling the shots. God's calling the shots. Amen. Jesus didn't do what people expected him to do. He did the uncommon. Let's just quickly reset. His birth was like no other. And I won't spend a lot of time here because we'll be talking a lot about that in the weeks ahead. But his birth was like no other. His work was like no other. His work on this earth is what gave our work meaning. His work was like no other. His suffering was like no other. And, and, and again, just, just so we can level set, 
his suffering wasn't suffering because the furnace went out. His suffering wasn't suffering because the strap on his sandal broke. Or the wheel fell off of a chariot. His suffering was like no other. It was a suffering that raised humility to a whole new level. I'll, I'll, I'll pause here and say, your suffering, is it taking you to a whole new level? Or is it causing you to go further from the Lord? Because what was modeled to us by Jesus was his suffering raised humility to a new level. And I want to be like Jesus, and I know you do too. His death was like no other. His, his, his death, it, it, it was not the common dying of a man. Because he was just no ordinary man. It was not the release of a debt that was held by nature onto his life. It wasn't that. His, his death was uncommon and unique because it, it, it was not the final payment, if you will, on the mortgage of his life that was held over him by nature. No, 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 no. Nature never held a mortgage on Jesus' life because he was nature's creator, not her debtor. His Death was uncommon. He didn't just die. He gave his life up. They didn't murder him. No, it, 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 it was a picture of the just dying for the unjust. That'd be Jeff Burke. It's a picture of the pure dying for the depraved. It was Jeff Burke. His death was not like any other. Thank you, Jesus. Everything about him was uncommon. Everything was about him, everything about him was uncommon because everything he did and said rose himself and his message above the level of being common. He, could, he couldn't claim to be God and not do things that were uncommon. And what, what I hope that we take from this, as, as we just talk about the uncommonness of Jesus, is that if we belong to Jesus in faith, He raised us above the level of common. Now, now, now hear me. We ain't better than anybody. But we are sons and daughters of the King. I just want to live in such a way that I'm not embarrassing the king. Amen. The elevation of things that explains why a common act that we do can become uncommon because we take our ordinary and he puts his extra on it and it becomes extraordinary. We take our natural, he puts his super on it. Now we're supernatural. That, we, we are children of God. His words are uncommon. This book, there is no other book like this book. Amen. There is no other book like this book. His words are uncommon. Think about when you came to know Jesus. 
you might not have been in this book reading and all of a sudden it got illuminated and you fell to your face and you cried out to Jesus. That might not how it rolled out for you, but listen to me. God had to speak into your heart to give you a desire to even want to desire him. His word is so uncommon that when we first come to know him, we go to his word and man, like a, like a, like a bee gets nectar from a flower and, and it just fills us up and we go out and we pour ourselves out and we come back to this word and for some reason, miraculously, it flows with more nectar than it did before because when we take it in and then go pour it out, when we come back, he gives us double and then more and more. That's why you got to be and I got to be in this word. Amen. There's no substitution for his word because his word is uncommon. Preaching doesn't take the place of his word. We get caught up in the gospel and it's a beautiful thing. His actions were uncommon. We see it in his uncommon refusal to accept a crown that they were willing to give. Do you understand that if he would have accepted that crown and said he would be their king then, he would have had more followers. But he didn't want to do that. That would have been the common thing to do. Rather, he knew that the cross had to come before the crown. I think the church needs to get this. The church needs to receive this. And instead of giving thought to the will of men, Jesus gave thought to the will of his Father. And that was the choice that he made. The crown before the cross, man, it will never satisfy It'll never satisfy. You say, Jeff, how do I know when I've settled for a false crown before accepting the cross? It's really, really easy to catch. Unfortunately, pride is the only sin that keeps us from seeing our sin. Amen? Amen. So what happens is, Jeff, how do I know that that's the case? How do I know that I've settled for a cross instead of a, or a, a crown instead of a cross or a crown before the cross? Here's how you'll know. When I become the focus of my life. When I become the focus of my life, I understand that I have to have it my way or else. Now, I don't know what the or else is for you, but when I think I have to have it my way and my focus is on me and I don't put others before myself and every decision I make, I can probably deduce that I am seeking a crown here instead of taking up my cross here and get my crown when I get home. Because we are to live for others. Amen. Listen, I, 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 let's just be honest. My heart breaks when I see people following other people like lemurs off the side of a cliff. And their, their spiritual lives have been short-circuited. It, 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 it breaks my heart. I don't get angry over it. I really don't. But, 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 but by eliminating the cost of the cross and receiving the crown before you've been to the cross, man, I, it, it, it is, you will self-destruct. I will self-destruct. I will implode from the inside out. And then I'll blame somebody for it when I choose the crown before the cross. Back to John chapter 6. What did... Jesus do when he was in the mountain alone? Well, 
He prayed. We see that all, all through the scriptures where he, he would go to a hillside or he'd just get away from what was happening and, and go and talk to his father, go and pray. Jesus was talking to his father. So my inquisitive mind would ask the question, what's he talking about? Maybe he was talking about his disciples that were down on the sea at that moment. Maybe he was talking to God about the 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, that, that, that he had just fed, and then they were going to take him by force. That, that, what? Maybe he was asking God for a little strength because of what he wanted to do. Not forsake the cross, but maybe teach him a lesson or two. Here's what I do know. Praying for us is exactly what he does today according to John 17. And if that's not enough, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 says, because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, because Jesus lives forever and his priesthood lasts forever, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He prays for us. He intercedes for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is in a continual communion with the Father, and that speaks to the necessity of you and I being in continual communion with our Father. Amen. And by the way, it can be with or without words. Evangelism, not so much. Worship and communion with God, you can do it without words. Because there's a worship that goes beyond words. Thank God that there have, we've heard tremendous songs today that glorify God and gave us a new perspective of God singing over us and, 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 and Him wanting to speak to us in this two-way conversation that we should be having called prayer. But there can be a worship without words that is deeper even than a worship with words. You know, we don't have to yell at God to make him move. We don't. In fact, most of the things that we put to words are second rate because I believe that the deepest experiences of worship, they'll be hard to express in mortal words. I mean, I'm not saying you can't express it, but... You could never express it on the level in which you're receiving it if you've truly entered in. Are you with me? Paul had a, a, a word for these divine encounters. He, 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 called, he called it inexpressible. Just, just write this down in your notes. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 4, it said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. By the way, God knows. It's all the matter. God knows. Verse 3, and I know that this man, verse 4, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things. Inexpressible things. Inexpressible. Definition of that word is, the word inexpressible is incapable of being uttered or described with words. So, 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 so. Praise God for the praise that we can make noise about and make a joyful noise to the Lord. And if we don't praise Him, then the rocks will. And I, I would be so...
sorely disappointed if I was leaving church and all of a sudden the rocks had to bust out their praise because I was too busy on me. See, see, praise is something you can't do quietly. Praise, praise, praise just busts out of you. And I ain't talking about your posture of praise. I'm not even talking about your volume of praise. And somebody who's loud is not more spiritual than somebody who is not. The Bible tells us we clap our hands, we make a joyful noise, we bring out the instruments, we, we praise Him. And our worship, where it can be done with those elements, to get to the deepest place, we've got to press through and to the point where we're in our, when we are in His presence, we're in such awe that we, we have to just be quiet. Because what do you say? I suggest we would say what Isaiah said, Woe is me. Church, it is here. It's in, it's in that inexpressible place of worship that God allows us to live. And, and follow me, on the same at the same time, we live on two planes, if you will. He permits us to live on an acceptable plane or a religious plane where everything's in order, where, where I have self-appointed myself as a proverbial hall monitor and I'm going to, in my lack of self-confidence and self-righteousness, I'm going to tell everybody where they're wrong. That's one plane we live on. Or we could live on a plane that's higher than that, Amen. We can live on the plane of pressing into Jesus by the way of His Holy Spirit. The living water. Here's, here's the heart of my message. If we are going to be all in for the whole journey, whatever God wants to do with us, we have to strive to press on in the Holy Spirit. One of the things we say a lot at Living Water in staff meetings and leadership meetings, volunteer meetings, is we, we, we have discussions about and we pray for individuals that we, we know and God has told us and He's told others and, and we're, we're not elevated to any level above you spiritually. But here's the reality is that, is that most people quit too soon. They quit right before their breakthrough. Because right before your breakthrough is when the enemy's going to work the hardest to get you to not keep pressing in. Right? Is that right? Have you experienced that? Sure you have if you press through. And, 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 and that's, in, that's important that we understand that because, listen, if we don't see the invisible, stay with me please. If, if, if living water can't touch what is un, intangible, if we can't hear that which is inaudible, I question the validity of Jeff Burke's Christian experience. I mean, because I'm not going to judge you and indict you, but I, I, I question the validity of my effectiveness as a Christ follower and our effectiveness as a church. We, we must have spent time with Jesus to the degree that when we see Him move, we don't have to go, is that Jesus? 
You'll know you're growing in the Lord when you don't have to... When, when, when something is dropped in your spirit and you're like, okay, is that, is that from God or is that from the devil? You should know the voice. And you do. But normally the reason Jeff Burke questions it is because God's asking me to do something that is either uncomfortable or really don't want to do it because in my flesh I don't want to do it. So it's easy to blame the devil. So we pray about it. God wants instant obedience when we hear his voice. Amen. I love what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. He says, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden. Drop down to verse 9. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Pause. That ain't talking about heaven, church. It's talking about now. It's talking about now for those of the church who are all in for the whole journey and they're willing to press through at its toughest time, ready, to, ready and willing and able to press in when others will not press in, will press in for you. Paul goes on to say, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit, for His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. We got to press in. Church, we got to press in. See, the way you can answer the question, am I all in for the whole journey, is with another question, am I willing to press in? Am I willing to do what God is asking me to do, even though I don't understand it, even though there's a storm brewing? Are you with me? You're like, I don't know where you're at in chapter six. You will. You will. See, I don't ever want us to pray that we could press through or be filled with the Spirit of God for lesser purposes. I, we, we press in not so that we can be filled in order to get the gift of healings or the gift of tongues or, or our, so that our testimony has more effectiveness. Granted, all those things are part of the total pattern of the New Testament church, but it's important for us to make sure we're not trying to make God our servant. Just like the people did in John 6, oh, they said, we want you to be our king. Wait, if you want someone to be your king, you don't have to take them by force. Wouldn't you lean in with love and lean in? See, it doesn't make sense. What they wanted was somebody that would do what they wanted to do. They wanted a manageable deity, if you will. They wanted, a, they wanted a savior, but not in the sense that we know it. They wanted a savior that would save them from their enemies, from the oppression of Rome and make their, make their life feel like that it's got meaning and, and make their life feel like it's got purpose. And, and they were going to take Jesus by force. Now, let's... We've we, we, we got to be careful with our motives as we press in. Amen. Again, don't press in to get. Don't press in to get. Press in to be. There's a difference. God wants to fill us in order that we would know Him for 
all that he is, and, and just be absorbed in him. See, see it's the only way that you, you can be all in for the entire journey, the destination. See, our friends in John 6 were on a destination. We should never enter... Let me, let me reverse engineer this. We should enter into... We should desire to enter into the fullness of Christ, as the Scripture tells us, so that Jesus can be glorified in us, not for any other reason. And in the scene that we see in our text in John 6, it's not hard to see the church today. In Acts 2, Jesus had barely ascended to heaven when suddenly the disciples were filled with the Spirit and the church was launched. And man, they got on it, didn't they? And they were launched out into a world not unlike a dark sea that Jesus' disciples were on, where there is no light. And I suggest the church is still there today. Hear me out. See, when Jesus ascended, the the light of the world went away and, and, and night was left. It's why Jesus warned his disciples. I'll just let him make my point for me. John 12 Verse 35, my light, Jesus said, will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. And I'm not saying that the church has no light, but I do say that the condition of the world is darkness and the light of the church seemingly grows dimmer every year. And nobody wants to talk about that. We want to institute another program. This is not how it's done. That's not the design that Jesus laid out for us. And living water is not going to stand idly by and let the darkness keep coming in. The disciples were on the sea, yes? The sea can be inviting. The sea can be so inviting, but it's also unpredictable and very treacherous. Because what can be very calm and still one minute can try to overtake you the next. It can become very violent. For the disciples, Galilee was a troubled, restless sea. And they were on it. Disturbed. The sea was turbulent. The sea was cruel. The sea was potentially deadly. The Bible, the world of humanity, is many times metaphorically referred to as the sea. I don't, I don't think it's hard to see why that metaphor fits. I don't, I don't find it hard to wrap my mind around that metaphor working. We live in a turbulent, cruel, treacherous, dark world. And we are the light. Right? I wish we didn't I wish we didn't overlook the depth of doctrine in the songs that little kids sing. This little I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hide it under, <laughs> you even emphasize the no. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I won't let Satan 
it out. Or it out. Okay, fair. That is how he did it. I just spitting on my hands. It's not, I won't let Satan blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shine. 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 But now, even the relationship of the ship to the sea is a prophetic picture of the church today. It was a relationship. Are you still with me? It was a relationship of contrasts. The ship and the sea was a relationship of contrast. You and I, who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, filled with the Spirit of the living God, and He indwells us, hallelujah, that is so humbling to think He would want to live inside of a failure like Jeff Burke and, and like you, but I won't call you out. Those of us who know Jesus and are trying to live our best for Him, listening to the Spirit, pressing in, trying to be all in for the whole journey, we live in an atmosphere and an environment of contrast because we don't belong here. And the longer that we're here, the harder the sea tries to get in. The ship... And the sea is a beautiful, prophetic picture of the contrast of the relationship of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen, listen. The contrast was a contrast of contact. Write that down. I'll wait. For the disciples on the sea, the relationship between the ship and the sea was a relationship of contrast but it was a contrast of contact because they had to have contact without merging. The ship had contact with the turbulent sea. But if the ship merged with the turbulent sea in the dark waters, as it were, they would have sank, they would have drowned, it would have been over, forget it, lights out, we're done. It's a contrast of relationships. It's a contrast of contact. The ship is designed to stay above the sea. Listen, we are designed to stay above the darkness and be a light in the darkness. Hide it under a bushel? Heck no! Grow a, grow, 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 grow a spine and, and, and speak truth in love? Heck yes! <laughs> I won't let Satan, and you won't let Satan, it out. No, we're going to let it shine. Because we live in a world that is a contrast. And it's a contrast of contact. Again, I say, if the ship merges with the sea, it's over. It will be enveloped by the very thing that the ship was designed to conquer. Come on, somebody. You don't design a ship to sink. You design a ship to stay afloat regardless of how turbulent it gets. But the reason that the ship sinks in many cases is because somehow, some way, somewhere, that which it was designed to conquer makes its way in. 
And it starts with a little bit, and then it's more, and it's more, until eventually the darkness, the sea, envelops that which was designed to rise above it. And it drags it down into the depths of the darkness of the sea. Now, contact without merging should be the relation of the church in a dark world. I, I, there's a couple of things that can... Thank you, Jesus. There's a couple of things that can cause the sea to merge with the ship. There's a couple of things that can cause the dark world to merge into the life of a Christ follower. One is when we think we're more spiritual than we really are. If we think the boat is stronger than it really is, if we have not inspected the boat and looked for some cracks, and then we go ahead and launch it anyway. Oh, it was fine the other day. We're good. Well, me and Fred was just out on this thing. It's good. Oh, well, you didn't check it though, see? You, you, you didn't check it. And when you don't check it, you allow a little bit to seep in. You still with me, right? You still love me? Are you with me? Yeah. So that's one way. You can feel more spiritual than you really are, and you don't have to keep good tabs on your own life and your spiritual walk with Jesus. But, but the other way is when we don't feel worthy. Because of this daggone thing called our past. Which, by the way, we have to remind Jesus of. Ain't he a good God? Mm-mm. So, so, so the desire of our Creator, once we come to know Jesus, is that we have contact, but we don't merge. And I, and, and, and I think it's a shame that, that, that sometimes that church people, their only friends are in church. I'll, I'll step over here and say it. It's sad that sometimes church people, their only friends are their friends of people in church. I'm not saying don't be friends. If you misquote me, Kim just hates that and she, she will hunt you down. But here's the reality of it. It's so much comfortable to be with people that are just like us in our faith system. I'll say it. I'll say it again. You should have at least one book you're reading by somebody you don't agree with. You're like, okay, you're, you've just encouraged people to be confused. No, I'm encouraged you. No, 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 no. I'm, ser- I'm dead serious. I'm encouraging you. If, if you keep reading, you will never know that your theology or doctrine is jacked up until you hear something different and compare it to this book. And when you read something from someone that you, you just, you've already written off, your old pastor wrote him off and told you, don't ever listen to this guy. I, I'm saying, all I'm, I ain't saying follow him. I'm saying you need to have your faith challenged or you'll never know the strength of your faith. I, I don't know. That, that just makes sense to me. I, 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 don't, I don't go to the gym to, to never desire to to have resistance so that I can be stronger next time. We're like, well, yeah, well, that's just dumb. Of course, that's right. Well, I, 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 think, we, I think it's a, 
I think it's a challenge for Christians because, man, we just need it to be comfortable because it's, it's life so hard. Well, we're here to, for a purpose, and that's to be a light. See, our, our, our problem is the same problem the disciples faced. The sea will not relent. The sea is constantly trying to get in the ship, and the world is constantly trying to merge with the church. Amen. The world keeps trying to splash in. But hear me now. We have to, we have to just resolve now that the, 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 the world has nothing the church needs and the bride of Christ has everything that the world needs. Just, just settle that right now. Just, 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 just mark that off of your list. You, you don't have to pray about that. There are just some, some things you just, you just pray about because you don't want to pray about the real stuff. Just don't pray about that. God designed us to be on the sea but not in the sea. The sea should not become part of us. God help me. Help me, God. I, I, I seen a book at, it was a half price books, and I saw a book to you, it was about a week ago. And the title is Finding God Through Science, Nature, Art, and it names some other things. Why, 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 why should we be trying to find, God's not lost. If, if we shouldn't be trying to find God via some backdoor method. We can see God in science and nature and art, but it, Christ, there's so many Christ followers, although we can see Him through art, science, creation, etc., etc., we're like looking in a, we're like living in this cell or peering through a little bitty piece of glass and we're trying to find God in these little things. When if we would just throw open the doors and throw the, the covers off of the windows, we would understand that it's a glass house, man, that we have complete vision to be able to see what Jesus is doing. We, we can see him. He, 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 listen, he can find us. He knows where we're at, but we, we hide down here in this little safe place, and we just look for little, little glimpses of him. I don't want a glimpse of Jesus. I don't want a glimpse of Jesus. I don't want a taste of Jesus. I want it all. And you got to be all in and be willing to press in to get that. I can money back guarantee you the disciples were doing some serious belling that night. Because they were going to do whatever it took to keep the water out of their boat. Why? Because it boiled down to their survival. Now thankfully, praise God, Help was on its way. <laughs> Help was on its way. And you know, whether we really want to open our eyes and see it, and again, my glass is always half full, but, but I, I, I want to be a realist. It's like my, my brother's in this story here. Um, we, 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 we've we've got we've to live in reality, and whether we want to admit it or not, the church is in belling mode right now, yeah. trying its best to keep the world, trying its best to keep the world out, and we just can't sit on our backsides and settle for the status quo and do church business. Amen. Amen. Look, I was told to close this series today by God, so I'm getting it in. 
I'm getting it in because I, he said go to something else. I'm like, mm. let me tell you how far that we haven't come. The early, you know, first century believers, they, they kept reminding everyone that we had Abraham as our father. Okay. Awesome. That, that's awesome tradition. That's, that's a great family tree you're bringing up there. What's that got to do with anything? And then a guy with a backbone called John the Baptist showed up. You talk about a freak. Man, oh man. Even, even like in the King James Bible, it's freaky. What do I mean by that? I mean, the words are just so powerful. And when, you, when you're reading it in that you know, old King's English, it's, it's like, I don't know, for some reason, it is, it's more scary. When it's described, am I right? It's like, like when it describes, think about John the Baptist. John, John the Baptist wasn't okay with everybody just saying, well, you know, Abraham was our father. So What? And so John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, don't just say to each other that we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down, thrown into the fire. We got to own this today, church. We got to own this today. God is not committed to preserving my religious family tree. He wants the world to come to know him. God is not committed to preserving our denominations. He, he, listen, he wants the church to stop, come together, and then move as one. God help us. Well, the disciples in the boat in John 6, their intention was to cross the sea. And I'm about done. And whenever there's something that's mentioned in the Bible, like a place or a name, you need to pause, you need to slow down, because that's not there by accident. Capernaum was their home. Capernaum was home base, if you will. But that's where they were trying to get to. They were trying to get home. They had to cross the sea to do it. And they were going home in the ship, and it was dark. Wow. Today, the church is on her way home. No, 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 I, I, I ain't talking about my, my street in Beaver Creek. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about my home. I'm talking about your home. The one he went to prepare. Amen. We're on our way home. We're on our way home. And we're still toiling. We're rowing. And by the way, it's still dark. Huh. You, 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 can, you can paint a picture of the church and think uh, in, in you know, idealistic terms. And all love with no problems. Uh, and everything's pretty and nothing ugly ever goes on. 
But as I said, the disciples in the boat weren't idealists. They were realists. And the storm was real. Amen. They smelled the sea. They felt the sea. They touched the sea. The sea was trying to get in and take them down. <laughs> yep. And now let's, let's draw some comfort for a second before I close. Um, the, the, the disciples had some problems. They fought a little. It cussed a little, right? Am I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, they did. They whined a lot. Yes? And, and maybe half were pulling the weight for everybody else. I don't know. I just know some of them just got off point a few times. But they were all on a journey together. And they all had the same destination. And Jesus was at a higher level watching everything play out. It's the church, man. It's the church. It gets rough sometimes. It gets stormy sometimes. We're still the apple of his eye. We're still the desire of his heart. I love verse 17 when it said, As darkness fell and Jesus hadn't come back. For the church it was dark in the first and second centuries. Jesus didn't come back. It was dark in the days of Constantine. Jesus didn't come back. It was dark when Martin Luther preached. Jesus didn't come back. Hmm. It was dark when... John Wesley stood on a tombstone and preached. Jesus didn't come back. We've heard about it since we were babies. Church, I believe that we need to we need to brace ourselves because I don't think it's going to be as long as it has been. And I don't got a date and you don't either. And if you tell me one, I'll call you a liar. In love. But I know, and you know too, that if God don't come back soon, he's going to owe a whole lot of people an apology. Because if you're in this book very long, It'll wake you up. The wind rose and the waves began to chop at the boat. It crashed. The contrast of contact was being challenged. No doubt the disciples cried out, Where, Jesus, where are you at? Well, he was on a hill watching, and then when he knew it was time, I said when he knew it was time, when he knew it was time, when he alone knew it was time, he came to him. And I remind you today, church, as I wrap this series up, as his bride, Jesus is still Lord. He's still the head of his body. He's the head of his church. He's the head of this church. 
We don't have to apologize for him. He doesn't expect us to dumb down his word or his gospel to make it acceptable or more tolerable for a lost world. He doesn't, he, listen, he doesn't need defended. We got to stop arguing on his behalf. It's not what he put us here for. He sees through the darkness and he holds the church in his hand. Thank you, Jesus. And just as he left the mountain at the right time, He's going to leave heaven at the right time. And he is going to come and he is going to take us to our destination. But until then, until then, the church, and since I don't have the audience of the whole church, I'll speak to the church I have under the sound of my voice today. Until he comes, we have to make our mind up that everything we've been talking about the church, we got to be all in and in it for the whole daggone journey. We can't keep being in and out and in and out and in and out. And we've got to fortify the ship, the church. We've got to fortify because the contact is real and God wants that. that, that that's, that's the vehicle that God has got the disciples to their destination. But the darkness kept trying to get in. They were trying to keep it out. And when Jesus knew it was time, he left his place on high and he came down and he walked upon the very thing that they were fighting against. And before they could sink, they invited him in. They said, you take control. You steer this ship. You, 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 you stand. You stand in the front. You tell us which side we should row on to miss the obstacles ahead. You call the shots, and we'll listen to you. We'll follow you and you alone. And Jesus, we're all in. We're all in for the entire journey. But it's our responsibility to keep the darkness from encroaching Blowing out our light. So the question is kind of simple. Who is all in for the whole duration of the journey? Am I all in for the whole duration of the journey? If you are tired of rowing, why don't you invite Jesus in? If, if, if you, they said, your Bible said they rowed for like three or four miles. Yikes. In a storm. Because, listen, they weren't going to give up. As this contrast of contact was taking place, they were fighting hard to keep that which shouldn't be in the boat out of the boat. But then when they caught a glimpse of what should be in the boat... And the only hope that they had that the boat would reach its destination, they were like, yes! Your Bible said they, they invited him on. I'll close with this contrast. 
one group of people, they weren't inviting him to be the king. No, no, your Bible says they were going to take, they were going to force him to be the king. The contrast is those who invite him to be the king. And to invite him to be the king means that we can't be. Jesus is in his high place watching. He's praying for us, John 17. Have you inspected your boat lately? Is there darkness making its way in? My prayer. If just those who are under the sound of my voice would draw a line in the sand and say, I'm all in for the duration of the journey until we get home. Whatever it takes, come hell, come high water, doesn't matter. We will live in that relational contrast of contact and we will be touching the world but not overtaken by the world. And if we wake up every day understanding that that's our assignment, God will do things that we would never expected. Because remember, I spent 20 minutes talking about how uncommon he was for a purpose. And the reason I wanted to remind us of that is because we need to relinquish control and let him do what he wants to do when he wants to do it with whomever he wants to do it with. And when we do that, starting with ourselves, it's amazing how our perspective changes. If you're tired of rowing and bailing, it's like a constant, I'm worn out constantly rowing against and against and against and against. Invite Jesus in. But now listen, you can't invite him in and still have control. Because see, he's not my co-pilot. And he's not the passenger. I am. We're in Christ. Yes? Christ is in the Father. Do you understand that for the world to penetrate, it's got to go through God? Okay, well, the story's over. Because we are in Christ who's in the Father. Who's all in for the entire journey as his bride? It's my desire to present you, the church, as a pure bride to one husband, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you to speak to our hearts today. Encourage us. Encourage us that the storm doesn't last forever. Encourage us that there is a destination. And the only way we can get there is for us to, Father, just make the decision to press in, to press through, letting your son be in control and in charge. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters will remove themselves off the throne of their heart. God, I pray that you would give, just search my heart, God, right now.
God, right now, if there's any door that's still locked, if there's anything, God, that, that, that just bring it to my attention. God, right now, if there's something I've put a veil over, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Church, in this whole series, still praying, please. In this, in, in this whole series, all I've, all, I've, all I've done is ask questions. And this will be the last question I ask for the whole series. <laughs> because 11 messages culminate into this. Are you all in? Or are you... St- Still having reservation because you're afraid of the cost. If you would say, Jeff, I can be lazy, I can become apathetic, I've even allowed some of the world to get in, whether it's through the TV, through whatever I have in my home, through my ears, through my eyes, whatever it is. God God has given you that awareness. And if you would just say right now that I'm tired of rowing. I'm exhausted of doing it my way. I'm all in with a whole journey until we all get to our destination home in heaven with the creator of the universe and the one that gave his life so that we could be free. If you need to reinforce that in your own life and ask God to forgive you of your complacency and your inconsistency, I just want to pray for you. That's it. I ain't going to ask you for nothing. There's nothing you confess to me. You're talking to God. But I need to know how to pray for you. I, I desire that. If you're here, Jeff, that's, that's, that's me. I, I need to be all in. God bless you, dear. Who else? I just need to be all in. I, I struggle with it. I struggle with it, man. I struggle with it. The darkness sometimes just splashes in, and I don't do a thing about it. I just walk in it. Who else, Jeff? want it. God bless you and you. God bless you, sir. Five seconds now and we're going to dismiss, man. We're going we're to put the big period on the end of this. Anybody else? Jeff, I've, I've got to put Jesus on the throne of my heart. He's got to be Lord of my life. Anyone else? Father, we lift up your name in this place. You are high and lofty and worthy of our praise. We bless your name, God. God, I stand in the gap for my brothers and sisters that have acknowledged today that they have rowed until their arms are worn out. And they invite you in to take over and be the Lord of their life. That they will press in. God, remind them. Remind them of their commitment today. God, remind me. Remind me of my commitment.
I pray, God, that we would regularly inspect the ship to keep it reinforced. To keep the dark water God, I thank you for every message that we've had, every, every new perspective that you've given us on your bride. And God, I can say as one who has been greatly challenged by this series, you have changed me. You've changed my perspective. You've changed what I look for. You've changed my priorities. It's all about you. We give you thanks for what we know you're going to do from this point forward. God, I want to end this year stronger than we started. In my personal life, in my family, and in my church. And I want to begin a new year pointed in the right direction. Everybody firing at the same target. All for the glory of God and your son. I thank you for what you've showed us and I thank you for the lives you've touched. I pray you have been pleased with what's been said and done. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen and amen. God bless you for being here today. Thank you so much for your time, your attention. Don't forget the plethora of announcements. If you need to know anything, just call Heather directly. (laughs) All right? Is that what I was supposed to say? Yeah, right, 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 right. Got a lot going on. You know, you, know, you, know how to, you know how to stay afloat? Be involved. Be involved. I need you. I need you. God bless you. Have a great week.